us and bringing us back together one more time. We thank God for his goodness and his mercy. And I thank God for each and every one of you. As all of us know, we've been in some most the most challenging times that all of us here that exist that we've ever experienced. And um, many of us are doing the best that we can because we don't have a handbook to tell us what we should be doing every step of the way because we've never experienced anything like this, this generation. And so we have to trust God more than anything. We have to lean not onto our own understanding, but we must trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And so this evening we have another opportunity to engage the Word of God. Whatever God says, whatever His Word says, we know it's true. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so truth is a person, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we will trust in Him, we will walk in truth. We will trust in him. We will know the way. If we trust in him, we'll experience abundant life. And so that's our best option that we have. So the handbook that we have to trust in and look into is the word of God. And so church, hold on to, as the old timers say, hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to that unchanging hand of God, and we will be all right. We ought to continue to be Christians in this hour. That's who we are. And the two greatest commandments that a Christian live by is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Let me ask you something tonight. If you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, what else is left over in you? Nothing else. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you love God with everything, then that's what you have now to love your neighbor with because you're loving them with the love of God and not with your love. Because we don't know what love is. We, we don't really understand love. But if we will check with the one who is love, then we can show love one to another. And so... You know, we're using that word love. Uh, we dash it around. We, we, we use it oftentimes. And, you know, I stay silent most of the time when I hear it because I know the only way we're truly going to love anyone is if we love the Lord our God. Is if we know God. And when you know God and love God, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. But if you don't know God and love God, you're going to struggle with loving people. As a matter of fact, you will only love them according to your understanding and your capacity. So that's not what I'm talking about tonight. But I'm just here to tell you we need to trust in the Lord. Lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. And so we must trust God. Not allow our emotions to get the best of us. Because trust me, all of us have emotions. And our emotions will always be stirred according to all of our experiences. And all we've been through. And the things we know. And that's kind of where our emotion will, will challenge us or raise up in us. And it's okay to have emotions. But understand that we still must 
follow truth, we must follow Jesus Christ, no matter how our emotions are stirring us. For those of us that are not in Christ, or for those of us that have not been fully transformed, it is very difficult. It is very difficult to follow Christ, even when your emotions are taking you in a different direction. But for those of us that have been fully transformed and whole and truly trust God, no matter what our emotions are doing inside, we lean not to our own understanding. We trust in the Lord and we obey him and follow him. And that's how we get through all of our challenges, all of our circumstances. It's the only way. And that is by trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. I'm so glad you have the privilege an opportunity to know Christ. It is a wonderful privilege, a wonderful opportunity. And we're going to delve right into the Word of God tonight and ask God to speak to our hearts. If you will pray with me, I would really, truly appreciate that. And tonight we're just going to pray that God will speak to our hearts. And ask God to help you to open your heart. You are the solution to our world. Yes, you Yes, every one of you, under the sound of my voice, you are part of the solution. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your nationality is, your race, your culture. You are a part of the solution to this world. And if we will open our hearts to the Lord, he will direct our path and he will give us direction. He will give us understanding and wisdom and we can help those that we're touching. There are people that we will be able to touch and we can impact and affect their lives. We are a part of the solution. We just have to submit our life into the hands of Christ. Amen? And so let's pray tonight that we will allow God to just speak to our hearts as we open our heart. And let's pray for our nation and our world uh, because we're going through great turmoil. There's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And I, I feel the hurt. I feel the pain. And I want God to heal us. And the only one that can heal us is the Lord. Healing doesn't come from any place else but God. Even when the physicians of ours, um, they, they doctor us up, so to speak, God gave them that mind to compute, to understand, to take in information, to be able to 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 heal, to work on us that we are healed. So healing only comes from one place, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're grateful, we're thankful, because you opened our eyes to who you are. You revealed yourself to us. And oh my God, what a great privilege. What a great opportunity. What love, what kindness that you've shown towards us that you allow us to come to know who you are. You, you revealed yourself, almighty God, that today we're able to repent of our sins. Oh God, we're able to be born again of the water and of the Spirit and be able to be holy and to be righteous, to be able to know the way that we must go. Oh, because you loved us so that you revealed yourself to us and showed us the way that we must go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us. Thank you for being no respecter of persons. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us, oh God, what love is and how love operates. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us. Oh God, for you loved us even when we did not know you. 
You loved us even when, oh God, we rebelled against you and did what we wanted to. You were still loving us. And Lord, we're so grateful that so many of us have come to this place to know, oh God, who you are and to turn from our ungodly ways, to turn, almighty God, from the ways of sin and the ways of, oh God, drudgery and the ways, oh God, of ungodliness and the ways of immorality. Oh God, you have showed us the way and allowed us, oh God, to turn, to repent, and to be able to experience total liberty, to experience the love, oh, of God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, Oh, we open our heart to you. We open our heart to you, Lord God. And we give you full access, Lord, that you will do whatsoever you please in us. For we know all that you will do is good for us. And so we open ourselves to you, Lord. We say, do whatever you please. Oh, God, bring understanding and revelation, Lord God, to us, Lord Jesus. Will you give us knowledge, almighty God? Will you enable us, Almighty God, that when you instruct us, we will go and do what you have commanded us to do, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will speak to our hearts in a clear and concise way, that we will know that we are part of the solution. Lord, you have given us this great opportunity, oh God, to proclaim the word of God, to be an example, to live out the scriptures, Lord God. We are the 67th epistle, Lord God, or the 28th epistle, whichever way we want to look at it, but we are the living epistles, and oh God, we want to use, be used of you to help be that solution, Lord God. I pray tonight for our country, this nation, and our world, Lord God, that are hurting. Lord God, will you Oh, God, move on them in such a way that we, your people, your church, can lead them to you, can guide them to you. For, Lord, their deliverance, their their healing, their restoration, them being whole, can only be done by the power of the Almighty God, the God who is all-powerful, the God who is all-knowing, the God who is all-present, the God who is the creator of everything, the God who sees all the God who loves us so that he didn't make us robots that he didn't control us but he gave us free will to determine what we will do in loving him in return gave us free will to govern humanity to govern society and Lord we've corrupted ourselves in the way we must govern in the way we must lead in the way Lord God we must represent you oh Father will you forgive us of our sins. For Lord, we've failed. We've sinned. For we have not turned towards you. We've turned away from you. And oh God, we can only experience total peace and total deliverance and total salvation if we turn back unto our Lord. If we give ourselves to you, Lord God. Father, let the words of this, the, this 
Bible study tonight, Lord God. Let the word really and truly impact our heart, impact our soul, overshadow us. God, I pray that no person tonight will allow offense or allow, Almighty God, the hurt and the pain to hinder them from receiving the engrafted word of God, the living word of God. Let nothing hinder, let nothing prevent us from absorbing the word of God from, oh God, missing out on a transformation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Will you help us tonight, Lord Jesus? Will you speak to us individually and collectively? Will you continue to use me to proclaim as your oracle and let your anointing flow freely as you will, Lord God? Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. For God, you are the only hope. You are our source. And we look to you, Lord Jesus, for everything. Oh God, speak to us. Touch us. Help us tonight, Lord God, that we can understand that we're part of the solution, that we will do our part, oh God, in humanity, that we will do our part in this world, that we will do our part, Lord God, as the called according to your purpose. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Oh, Lord, you are my strength. You are my light. You are my redeemer. Oh, God, you are for us and not against us. And oh, my God. Oh, my God. What an opportunity and a privilege to be a part of you. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let it be so, Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's get into the word of the Lord tonight. We're going to look at two portions of scriptures that we're going to, uh, one portion of scripture we will use for um, the entirety of our study. Uh, but tonight we're going to look at 1 Samuel 15, chapter 22. Some of you are very, very familiar with that portion of scripture, so we'll get into that, dig into that a little bit. But we're also going to look at Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. That's Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And so we'll look, we'll look at those portions of scriptures tonight, and um, we will allow the Lord to help us and, and speak to our hearts. I am going to be talking to you tonight on this topic pleasing the Lord, pleasing the Lord. So I'll talk to you on that topic tonight, and we're probably going to uh, study or, or, or continue that as a series for the next three weeks, pleasing the Lord, because there are ways that God has already instructed us to please him. And so if you want to please the Lord, you stick with us, and you will know what God requires of us to please him. Micah chapter 6, verse number 6 says, Where it, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and vow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, 
Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Verse 8. He had shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Let me read that last portion of scripture because you're going to hear this for the next few weeks. And you're going to hear it again tonight before we're finished. Verse 8 says, He had shown thee, O man, with good. He had shown thee, O man, what is good. And does the Lord require of thee? So here is what the Lord require of us. He requires us to do justly. He requires us to love mercy. And he requires us to walk humbly with him. So we'll delve into that a little bit tonight as we go along. First Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22. Verse number 22 says, And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Listen to this. Behold, to obey God is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. To obey God or the voice of the Lord is better than sacrifice. And so I want to start by telling you a little story. There's a gentleman who purchased a company that manufactured dog food. He was interested in improving the product the company sold. Of course, he also wanted the company to increase its market share. He invested in new equipment, hired the best marketing staff available, and even changed the recipe. He was excited about what his company would accomplish. His unique product would be like nothing else on the market. Soon, the new product was released in stores. The packaging was bright and attention-getting. A meteor blitz made it impossible for any dog owner to miss the updated product. For a time, all was well. Month after month, sales increased. The marketing was working. Intrigued by all the buzz, pet owner tried the new product. After a while, sales began to slow. And then not just slow, sales went into a free fall. The owner invested more money in marketing and hired some additional sale personnel. sales personnel. Nothing was working. He soon called together his executive team marketing staff, and sales crew. The owner reviewed the efforts that had been made and the money that had been invested in marketing and packaging. He sought an explanation. One after another tried to come up with a rational reasoning for things not going well. Finally, a whisper came from 
a corner of the meeting room. Someone said, the dogs just don't like it. The company's owner had failed to consider what ultimately determined sales. What the dog want. So he did all the marketing strategy. He hired the best marketing people. He invested his money. He changed the product. He did everything he thought was right. He even improved the recipe. So this dog food, this company that he owned that sell dog food will just soar and make a whole lot of money. But in all of that that he was doing, he never considered the dogs. That they were the ones that would be eating the food. Not all the salespeople, not all the marketing people, the dogs would be eating the food. Many businesses, enterprises, have failed because they assumed their product would be of interest. Unfortunately, nobody asks simple questions. Who is the customer? <laughs> oh, God, help us tonight. That owner that purchased that dog food distribution company, he never stopped to ask, who is the customer? And I'm going to ask you Christians tonight, who are your customer? What does the customer want? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Companies fail on a daily basis. In some instances, sadly, a family will have put their life savings into that endeavor. The failure of a dog food plant, a new dishwashing detergent, or a restaurant is unfortunate. There is loss of financial capital. Someone is disappointed by the failure. But the significance of those failures is microscopic when compared with the significance of pleasing the Lord. <laughs> it is important to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must try to figure out what does he require. We can know what pleases the Lord. Further, what pleases him is not difficult. Pleasing the Lord requires no college degree or any certain level of social standing. Today and in the following lessons, we will focus on a single verse in the book of Micah. To understand the significance of Micah's message, we benefit if we know the context in which he spoke. Micah prophesied as a contemporary of Isaiah, Amos, and Hosea. He prophesied during the reign of four kings. Some were willful in their ungodliness, while at least one of the kings attempted to lead the nation of Judah to revival. Micah spoke during a time of public profession of obedience to God. At the same time, grooves which hid idolatry were common. Kings full of self-interest and ambition over tax for the people. The behavior of Jerusalem leading citizen, the kings, was not consistent with God's desire. And so Micah is dealing with a group of people 
who was with their mouth, with their voice, was professing that they're obeying God, that was professing that they are pleasing God, but their actions were not showing that they're pleasing God. Further, God's people were influenced by the ungodly people who surrounded them. So in that time of Micah, the people that Micah was ministering to, some were God's people. They were supposed to be godly. But unfortunately, Micah was prophesying to people who are supposed to be godly. But the people who surrounded them that were ungodly were influencing them more than the godliness of the people who had God. You tell me if we just don't continue to just go around in circles. And so today, we have to look and say to ourselves as Christians, are we being more influenced by ungodly people, or are we being influenced more by godly people and the Word of God? For I have to tell you today, when I was born again, when I come to know who Jesus was and is, and I repented of my sins, and I got baptized in Jesus' name, and God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and God showed me the way of holiness, and God showed me the way of truth, I held on to that. I have not been perfect, but I've strived and did everything that I could. And when I fell, I got back up and continued to go because I'm sold out to this that I say I believe. I'm sold out to this that I say I believe. And if I'm saying I'm a Christian, if I say that I'm all about Jesus Christ, if I'm saying that God, who is the creator of the world, who came, became man and, and walked on this earth and sacrificed his life for every one of us, if I say he's all-powerful and all-knowing, if I say he has the power to one day raise me up out of the earth and get me to go to heaven and, 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 and live a life of eternal blessedness, if I say all of that, then i got to tell you, church, nobody will influence me outside of that. If you're not coming to me with the things of God... If you're not coming to me by the power of God and in the name of Jesus with the word of God, I cannot let anything else influence me. I don't know about you, but I know how our heart is. I know how my heart is. And I try to guard my heart from every influence that is not godly because I'm afraid something could slip into my heart. And before you know it, I'm behaving ungodly because I allow something to influence me that's outside of God. And now I'm behaving in a ungodly way because I allowed something to slip in my heart. I don't want anybody to influence me more than the things of God. I want the things of God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, godliness. I want men of God, women of God to impact my life with the things of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And you have to guard your heart so nothing else slips in because it's easy to slip in. Trust me, we all are people and we have experienced different kind of things. Some of us, the same kind of things that we've experienced. And you know when people are going through something, somehow, somehow, the people who are going through the same things end up together. Am I telling the truth or what? So when you're going through whatever you're going through, you're going to find yourself with the people that are going through the same thing. And guess what you do? You sit with each other and you lick each other's womb and you agree with each other and you lock everybody else out. I know how that's how we operate. So I'm trying my best and I'm trying to tell you to do your best to guard your heart. Don't let anything slip into it. The most important, the most valuable, the most powerful 
powerful thing that's in your life is the word of God, the power of God. That's the most important thing in your life, and you can't let anything be more powerful than that in your life. Somebody say amen. What things about the era of Micah's work are consistent with the times we're living in? God's response through Micah, God used Micah to declare denouncing the current behavior and of that which was to come. His primary audience was Judah's leadership in both government and religion. Micah's prophecy was not popular. <laughs> Man, help me, Holy Ghost. What Micah was saying according to the word of God is not popular. I don't know if I'm going to get through the lesson tonight. Help me, Jesus. When you are saying what's popular, you may be out of the will of God. Go back and check scriptures. When Jeremiah prophesied to a nation, they wanted to kill him. They didn't like Jeremiah because what Jeremiah was prophesying according to the word of God, they had a problem with it. They didn't like Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called a weeping prophet because he would weep about what he saw because of what God told him. I'm telling you, church, you got to hear me tonight. You got to receive what I'm saying. If what we are saying is agreement with the majority, it might not be what God is saying. Whatever God says is usually unpopular. When he uses his servants to speak a word to the nation, it's usually unpopular. When you're speaking what everybody else is saying, you may not be speaking what God is saying. You might be in agreement with everybody else, but you might be out of agreement with Almighty God. Come on, amen, amen, mm. amen. Micah's prophecies was not popular. He was the first prophet to predict the downfall of Jerusalem. Micah also spoke against the false prophets, accusing them of accepting money for their meaningless positive predictions. Yet Micah was not all gloom and doom. He spoke of a future where the glory of Zion would be restored. Micah gave specific instructions on what behavior would participate in that restoration? Oh, Lord. We're going to experience great revival. We are going to experience great revival. God loves us so much that he's going to do whatsoever he can do this last hour to reach the loss before he returned to this earth. And depending on how you will position yourself in God will determine if you will become a part of the solution. Will determine how you will be used by God to do the work of God. And if we are in agreement with the populace, we might not get used by God. Because what God is doing is usually unpopular with the populace. The theme of Micah's prophecy is captured in verse number 8. He, he said, he showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy. How many of us can be merciful when we have not been treated fairly? How many of us can be merciful when mercy wasn't shown to you? Usually what we do is, we only show what's been shown to us. When God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he says, pray for your enemy. Pray for them who despitefully use you. That's not how we think. 
that are not godly, we think, oh, you think you're going to get away with this? Oh, I'm going to get you. That's how we operate. And so, oh man, what is good? And what the, and, and Lord, what is good? Uh, the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So what does God require? As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must be obedient to God's requirements. That which is required has no second option. Whatever God requires of us has no second option. We can't take the word of God and say, well, I know God says do this, but I know he don't mind that. Oh, church, we can't do that. We can't say, I know God says this, but he can't mind this. Whatever he says, that's what he means, and nothing else is an option. Remember I told you when God called me to preach the gospel as a pastor, maybe the fifth week, the, the, the seventh week, or whatever week it was, it hit me that this is my life from now on, that every week, Every week, every week, I have to prepare myself and prepare a message to minister to the congregation. And I just got scared to myself. And I said, Lord, you mean to tell me every week, every week, this is what I got to do? And the gentle voice of the Lord says, what is your alternative? There is no alternative when it comes down to God. That was a rhetorical question the Lord asked me. What is your alternative? Because he was really telling me there are no alternatives. Once you start this thing, you don't have no alternative. This is it. So he asked me a rhetorical question for which I just smile and say, Okay, Lord, I will continue to do this. <laughs> I love the Lord. It would be foolish to presume our own ideas about pleasing God would have more value than the Lord's clearly expressed desires. At times, the conversation about what God requires can get confused with human preferences or even human ambitions to control. If an employer requires certain things, would it be possible to please the boss if I ignore those requirements? Being at work on time, fulfilling the job description, and accomplishing specified tasks will be a part of every job. So today, my wife and I are very blessed and fortunate and privileged to be able to work from home. We didn't lose our jobs in this pandemic, and we've been fortunate to work from home. And she normally starts work at 1 o'clock. And so it was about 12.58 today. And so she's saying, man, I just want to sit in my living room, in my house, in my living room, and just relax and not do anything. And then she thought about it, and she said, well, you know, I've been blessed, I'm fortunate, let me just go ahead and just start working, right? If she didn't do her job, she won't have her job long. If I don't do my job, I won't have my job long. But in Christ, we want to be able to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so whatever he requires of us, we think we can negate it. We think we can kind of alter it and God should be okay with it. Why? Why should the employer take uh, tell you that unacceptable, but God is supposed to say, it's okay. When what God is telling you is for eternity and what your employer is telling you is for financial gain. Help us, Holy Ghost. Having a clear picture of what God requires is more important than pleasing an employer. We cannot please God if we do not do what he desires. 
Not doing what is required by an employer or by the Lord Jesus Christ means we are being disobedient. Somebody say disobedient. Samuel spoke to Saul concerning his disobedience. So here is the Saul story now. Here we go. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. That's what we read earlier, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Saul's response to God's specific instructions is an example of man presuming that a certain behavior was optional. Living for God and doing what he commands us to do is not optional. To be holy is not optional. God said, be ye holy as I am holy. It's not optional. So sometimes people say, you belong to the holiness church. And you're supposed to just smirk and say, what church of God is not holy? Because God's church is supposed to be holy. And so we are supposed to be holy. It's not optional. You don't have a holiness church down here and then an unholiness church down here. It can't happen that way. It's either you are the church and you're holy or you're not the church and you're unholy. God don't have optional things. Man has come up with optional behavior, but it's not according to God's requirements. Amen. So if you want to please God, you can't come up with your own optional behavior. You have to say, what does the Lord require? And do what the Lord requires. The, the Amalekites, a nation to the south of Israel, had been constant adversary to God's people. When Israel exited Egypt, the Amalekites laid in wait to do battle. After Saul became king, the prophet Samuel gave him clear and simple instructions. Saul was to lead the Israelite army in the total, into total destruction, in total destruction of the Amalekites. Not a single person or any of the livestock of the Amalekites was to remain alive. Saul did well in preparing to carry out Samuel's instructions. He brought together 210,000 warriors. Not only did Saul have a significant army, but his strategy was well conceived. The Israelite army approached a key city of the Amalekites and waited in a valley. At a strategic moment, Saul's warriors attacked and overwhelmed the oppositions. Now, with the battle, Saul and his army defeated the Amalekites throughout the territory under their control. As can often be the case, Saul started out doing so well in carrying out the instruction he had been given only to fade away into disobedience. We may have started well with something for God, but then found ourselves distracted by some other interests, other priorities, and values came into play. Church of the living God, hear your pastor tonight. I'm telling you something that I witnessed in my own life. I'm telling you something I've witnessed in living for God and looking at others. If we don't stay true to the call of God, if we don't stay true to our purpose in Christ, we're going to drift. 
We're going to stray. We're going to find ourselves entangled in ungodliness, not because we wanted to be ungodly, but because we started ignoring the mission, because we started not doing what God called us to do. Every single one of us is susceptible to that. If we don't keep focused on the mission and keep doing the mission of Christ, we're going to find ourselves doing something that we should not do. We have to stay focused on the mission. If we're not on the mission, then we find ourselves drifting, and before you know it, we're not as committed anymore. Before you know it, we are being disobedient. Before you know it, we're backbiting, and we're doing our own thing, and we have other interests because we came off of sticking to the mission of Jesus Christ. So the question today that I can ask every one of us, are we following the mission? Are we on the mission? Are we doing what Christ say do? How can you know you're doing what he says? Are you a part of the mission of Christ? Are you moving and doing what Christ say you ought to do? Because if you're not doing it, you're going to find yourself entangled with other interests. You're going to find yourself straying away and doing ungodly things. That's why we ought to make sure we are following and involved and engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. What did the mission of Jesus Christ say? The Bible says in, in, in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And so God is telling us to go into all the world and make disciples. And so we have to get out of our comfort zone and reach out to people. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. Give them a church card. Give them your phone number. Tell them to reach out to you. Ask them if they mind that you pray for them and stay on the mission of Jesus Christ. If you see somebody in need, come out of your pocket and give them something. Say, hey, I just want to give you this. If you see a family need something, buy some groceries and take to them. Those are the mission. If we stay on those missions, if we keep doing those things, then guess what? We will stay the course. We will keep going and we won't find ourselves entangled with other interests that will cause us to fall into sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so Saul started out good, but he drifted. Distraction, loss of focus, and changed priorities can all be seen in Saul's action. I'll say that again. Distraction, loss of focus, and changed priorities can all be seen in Saul's actions. Saul had been instructed to do two things. Destroy the Amalekites and the livestock owned by the Amalekites. Instead, Saul spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and Saul saved the best of the livestock. This was obviously not keeping with what God had required. Saul had been selectively obedient. Oh, how many of us are selectively obedient to God? The king of the Amalekites. Let me stay in here for a second. I can't run past that. Some of us, let me tell you one of the reasons why we better be merciful. Because some of us, the things that we're good in, when we hear it preached, we say, preacher, preacher, and we're all shouting about it, and we're like, oh yeah, and we're all glad to hear about the things that's being preached that we are doing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, say yes, say amen. And so we're all good about that. Well, what about the things that you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing? Are you shouting about those things? 
Ah, oh, come on and help me. So, so what we do a lot of times is we have selective obedience. We obey, we obey the things that we like. And the things we don't like, we don't obey them. And then we fool ourselves to think that we are doing right. We fool ourselves to think that, oh, we're living for Christ. Why? Because you like, you obey the things you like and the things you don't like. Oh, that, it don't really matter. But God understands. The king of the Amalekites and the best of the livestock were kept alive. Saul had been disobedient to a clear command from God. Why would a man who had been so blessed of God make such a mistake? In regard to King Agag, Saul's behavior may have been based on, somebody say, ego. Ego, ego means to edge God out. So your ego tells you, let it, let me shine a little bit, God. Let me shine. That's what my ego is. We want to shine. We don't want God to shine. And so Saul wanted his ego to be stroked. He wanted to shine. He didn't want God to shine. It was a custom of the time for a victorious king to keep the defeated king as a testimony of his conquering power. Saul's dominance over a living Agag would be a visible testimony of Saul's past victory. Successes are quickly forgotten. Life moves on. But if Agag were present, it would be a reminder of the king's success. Additionally, keeping the best livestock made economic sense. <laughs> the measure of a man, even a king, was in the numbering of his life, of his herds and, and flocks. As a result, Saul's flocks and herds would both increase in number and be improved in their quality. Saul given a direct requirement from God, but Saul's ammunition for the significance and wealth got in the way of him doing what would please God. Man, some way, somehow, always looked for an opportunity to please themselves as opposed to live to please God. And every time we do it, we jammed ourselves up. you got to ask yourself today, are you living your life to please man, which includes yourself, or are you living your life to please God? Ask yourself that question. Are you living your life to please man, who is you, yourself, and others, or are you living to please God? Could there be any way Saul's behavior pleased God? Certainly not. The Lord had been specific in his instructions. The Lord told the prophet Samuel of his disappointment with King Saul. The following day, Samuel went to Saul's encampment. Saul's first words to Samuel were, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Samuel, um, first, that's First Samuel 15 and 13. Saul's greeting seemed to be an attempt to, to bluster his way forward. Quite obviously, the king had not performed the entire commandment of the Lord. Although he had completed much of what God had asked, admitting our wrong and repenting of it is how we move forward, not excuses or rationalization of our action. I, I don't know if you, 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 you saw that. I just slipped that in there, so that might have went over your head. So Saul didn't do everything that the Lord told him to do, and so when the prophet came to him to tell him, you didn't do everything the Lord said to do. 
guess what? Instead of him just saying, you're right. Instead of him just saying, I messed up. Instead of him just saying, forgive me. Guess what he did? He went ahead and tried to make it seem like he didn't do anything wrong. So church, when we do wrong, and especially when we get called out on it, whether it's through the preaching, whether it's the voice of God convicting us, whether it's reading the scripture that we get convicted, or we're in prayer and we get convicted. When we get called out for doing something wrong, the best thing we need to do is repent. Say, God, forgive me. I have done wrong. I've sinned against you. We repent and we can move forward. We don't need to rationalize it. We don't need to make any kind of rationalization statement about it. Because listen to me. I don't know if you all know what a stronghold is. But you know how a stronghold enters one's life? When you are sinning and you rationalize what you're doing. Because it means you will never stop sinning. It means you can't get out of the sin because you're rationalizing why you're doing it. So that's how we get in what we call strongholds. Because we're rationalizing the wrong that we're doing. Well, God understands. No, God don't understand anything that disobeys his commandments. So when you are doing something wrong, the only way to get away from it and to be free from it is admit to it to God. Repent and say, God, I have sinned against you. I have done wrong. Please forgive me. And you turn away from it and you look to the Lord and move on. That's the way you get past it. If you do it any other way, it's going to be a stronghold in your life life. And you're going to be living in sin and, and act like you're not living in sin. Because you're denying that what you're doing is really a sin or it's, it's wrong. You're going to deny it because it's a stronghold and you will never think back that, man, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and not realize that it's a sin. Why? Because I've justified and rationalized it. That's what Saul was trying to do. But guess what? Samuel was having no, no part of that because God had sent Samuel on a mission. Partial obedience is not obedience at all. No matter how much Saul blustered to Samuel about having performed the commandments of the Lord, there was glaring evidence of Saul's disobedience. Saul's rant did not confuse Samuel as to his task. Samuel had come to the military encampment to confront Saul for not having done what the Lord had asked. At times, we need a godly leader who will appropriately confront us with hard questions. Samuel was not being noisy or trying to run Saul's life and make decisions for him. Neither are the leaders who address concerns with us. Our leaders are concerned about our relationship with God. You ought to give me that, that, that latitude in your life to, to ask the hard questions, to tell you what's right, and you receive it even though it didn't make you feel good. Because hear me, this lesson that I'm teaching tonight, I'll, be, I'll tell you straight up. This is a lesson that Brother Kuhn had written. And so Brother Kuhn is a big time mentor in my life. And he, when he calls, I've never had this in my life. When he calls, he says, what are you preaching Sunday? <laughs> that's, that's how he calls. He calls out the blues. I never know when he's calling. I never know when he's texting. He either texts or calls out the blues and says, what are you preaching Sunday? And he asks me questions about that. Then he asks me, what are you doing in your life? What are you doing in the church? He's always asking me these questions. And so he listens to what i got to say. And if I say something that's off the wall, he's going to tell me, check me. So all of us need to have somebody in our life that will confront us 
big time about things that we're dealing with, and you give them the latitude to say what they got to say. Without delay, Samuel asked Saul about the sound of sheep and oxen. Saul passed the buck. He portrayed his, his soldiers as those responsible for keeping the sheep and oxen alive. If this were actually the case, it would mean Saul was a leader who no longer influenced people he led. Additionally, Saul justified the decision to keep the livestock as part of his men's desire to serve God. Making excuses. Justifying things. The people spared the best of the sheep and of oxen so they can sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. We can't justify our sins. When we justify our sins, it becomes a stronghold in our life and it doesn't go anywhere. When we sin, it is best to take full responsibility. Is there any justification for willful disobedience to God? Is there any justification of willful disobedience? When you look straight up about what God is telling you, and you look at it and say, yeah, I know, and you do something different, is there any justification for that? There isn't. There are no justification for that. The Lord knows the motives that influence our actions. When God calls us to account for a misdeed, we should never pass the blame to someone else. God only calls us out to help us get ourselves right. You remember when Adam sinned and Adam wasn't at the meeting place that he normally is where he met God in the cool of the day? And you remember he was there and the Lord came and says, Adam, where art thou? And the Lord, and, and Adam says, um, 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 uh, when he says, Adam, where art thou? He's talking about he was naked. And the Lord says, who told you you were naked? And then he started making excuses. All the Lord was trying to do, because the Lord knew where Adam was. He knew, the Lord knew what Adam did. All the Lord was trying to do to get Adam to say, Lord, I messed up. I messed up. Will you forgive me? One of the reasons why King David is always looked upon in the Bible as one of the greatest kings and a man after God's own heart is not because he was perfect. It's because when he's confronted about what he did wrong, he admit to it and repent. That's one of the reasons why the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Because God's heart says, when I call you out, you need to make sure you don't try to lie about it. You just need to come clean. And my, 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 my desire is to show mercy. My desire is to deliver you. My desire is to save you. But I can't save you if you don't admit that you need saving and that you messed up. In response to Saul's explanation, Samuel gave a concise history of Saul's reign. So Samuel now, you know, the man of God, the prophet, he began to bring the smoke now. Saul had as, as Saul started as an insignificant person in his own eye. This is how he started out. Um, Samuel started out by telling Saul what the Lord was saying. And so Samuel told Saul that, look, man, you started out as an insignificant person in the eyes of God. Listen, I tell myself that all the time. Every time I just find God working in my life, the more God works in my life, the more I just come to tears at times and just humble myself because I realize where I am and what's going on, I didn't put myself there. I didn't put myself there, so it's only the Almighty God that put me there, and so I realized that I'm insignificant outside of God. But in God and serving God, 
I am significant. Only in God, only in my obedience to God am I significant. Same for you. Only in God are you significant. So you got to stay in God to be significant. If you go outside of God, you're insignificant because what you will do and the power you possess is not able to do anything significant. What is significance? To help somebody experience eternal life. What is significance? To lead somebody to Jesus that they can know who they are as a man, as a woman. That's significance. What's significant? To teach people the laws of God, the word of God. What is significant? to raise your children up to know who Jesus is and teach them the word of God. That is significant, but you only will know those things and become a significant person if you know Christ. Amen. Mm. Amen. The Lord had told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul did not obey the Lord. Rather, he kept the spoils of victory. We tend to be stubborn. Saul was even in the face of obvious disobedience. Saul contested the man of God's outline of the events. So while Samuel was telling him stuff, what God was saying, he still was contesting it. You don't have no hope when the prophet of God is telling you what God is saying, and you still contesting it. Saul's defense was foolish. He said, in essence, I have destroyed the Amalekites and have brought their king with me. Saul's self-interest and ego had blinded him. He did not see keeping Agag alive as a violation of the Lord's instruction. But an instruction to destroy everyone but the Amalekite king would have been quite different from the order to destroy all the Amalekites. When compared to many Amalekites destroyed, keeping Agag alive seemed small. But... Saul's small compromise was still disobedience to God. Listen, man, when we try to, you know, overlook certain things with each other and, and, and we don't really do things exactly the way we promised each other we will do, it's easy for us to overlook it because our words are not significant like the words of God. So it's okay when I tell you, okay, I'll do it this way and I don't do it exactly that way. Because it's not life or death. It's not eternal. But when God tells you to do something, you have to do it precisely exactly the way he says. Because that is eternal. Might your rebellion have been to do with seeing yourself as an owner rather than a steward. And so what that's saying is some of us are living for God like we're the owner of things and not like God is the owner and we're only the steward. Do you think I will serve God but will not tithe? Optional. We're trying to say, not in this church, right? Because because I make sure I tell you the truth every chance I get that I don't want you to be doing all the other stuff that God say do and I don't tell you what he says about tithes and you miss out on that. I don't want that to happen to you. And so you can't say you're serving the Lord and you're doing everything you're supposed to do, but you don't give your tithes and offering, but you're serving the Lord. Don't work that way. Perhaps you want to attend church. Listen to this. I got some stuff here that you need to hear. Perhaps you want to attend church and be blessed by all it provides, but you want no active role in the body of Christ. Do you wish to be blessed, but not be a blessing? Do you practice the disobedience of gossip in your life. Is that the Agag? 
the sin that wears the golden crown in your life, have all the less meaningful and less significant things in your life been destroyed? Comma. But one particular thing such as importance that you just cannot get rid of. Is there one thing in your life? You have gotten rid of a lot of things. You've done away with a lot of things since you surrendered your life to Christ. But is there one thing? Is there two things or three things that you have not gotten rid of that is that has become the agag in your life? You decide you got to keep that. <laughs> God quickly responds to Saul's rebellion and stubborn stubborn defense of himself. God, Saul's stubborn rebellion was too much for God, and and so God had to deal with that. Listen to this text. In the same text we've been reading in 1522, we'll read 22 and 23. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Question mark. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he had also rejected thee from being king. Ah, when we reject the word of the Lord, we do a lot of rejection in our life that we don't understand. We can't reject the word of God. When you reject the word of God, you are heaping up coals on your head. When you reject the word of God, you're putting yourself in a compromising position. When we reject the word of God, sooner or later, it will be revealed in our life that we have rejected the word of God. Listen, our world, for the most part, have rejected the word of God. And some things are happening because we've rejected the word of God. And we want to say, where is God? Where is God in all of this when we have rejected the word of God? I read in the text when Jesus, when, when Almighty God became man, the man Christ Jesus, he said he came unto his own and his own received him not. But to as many that have received him gave he power to them to be the sons of God. So the bottom line is we are powerless when we reject the word of God. And so we want to experience power. We want to experience unity and togetherness and a, and, and a loving and peaceful word world. But guess what we've done? We've rejected the word of God. And when you reject the word of God, you don't have no power. But when you receive the word of God, to them that received the word of God, gave he them power to become the sons of God. Oh, don't that sound good? Can you imagine if our world, the biggest thing that will happen in our world right now is that everybody get on their knees, not just the cops in Miami, not just the protesters in Miami, not just the people around the world protesting, not just some of the cops that say, oh, we know we messed up. I'm talking about the whole world. And we will all get on our knees and begin to cry out to God and repent and say, Lord, we have rejected your word. Lord, we have rejected you. Lord, we've messed up. We've been doing our own thing for the longest. We have called good evil and evil good. We don't talk about your word. We've taken prayer out of school. We don't want people to come knock on our doors and share the gospel message with us. We don't want the preachers to be a good example anymore. We're tearing down each other. Can you imagine if we go to God and tell him those things and say, forgive us! 
just be a sweeping move of the Holy Ghost around the world throughout the nations because we now repented and told God we had sinned and now open our heart to receive the word of God. You know what will happen? God will empower us to become the sons and daughters of God. God will empower us to be who we're supposed to be. God will empower us to the point where we will begin to see clearly and we will know the things to do. God will do that for us if we will no longer reject him, but we will receive his word. He will empower us. There was no uncertainty in instructions given to Saul. None. Nor was there any uncertainty in the message in the scripture. Micah's conclusion was simple. Neither the normal sacrifice nor extreme offerings mattered if people were not obedient to what the Lord requires. And so church, I'm telling you tonight, we can't have some godliness. We have to have godliness. Church, we can't obey some of God's word. We have to obey all of his word. Church, we can't do some of what God says. We have to do all of what God says. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. God was not requiring a difficult thing. No, he wasn't. What God required was attainable by every person, both then and now. God required a person to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. Some are willing to do a grand thing, but not a consistent thing. Let me say that again. Some are willing to do a grand thing, but not a consistent thing. Do you want me to get into that too? I'm finished here. I'm finishing up, but I still got to tell you. So some of us like to have big talk. Some of us like to be in front and, 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 and be on the stage and saying things. And when it calms down, they can't be found doing anything. Is that you? Come on. Where you get put in front of the crowd, you got something to say. Come on, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then when the lights get turned off, when everything ceases, I told him my wife taught me something a long time ago, and I've held to that till this day, probably would take it to my grave. And that's when my mother-in-law passed away, I remember. We had family that came all over the world, that came to the house, was just always around. Um, the day when we buried my mother-in-law, we was in the yard, we was hanging out, everything, a lot of people. And even after that day, we had a few people. But as the days kept coming, more people started going back to their regular, normal way of living. But guess what? My wife, her sisters, and, and, and brothers, they didn't have their mom still. But guess what? Everybody else went back doing what they were doing. And so I, I, I learned from a long time is it's not what you do during the big time. It's what you're doing consistently. This is why years and years serving in my local church before I started pastoring this church, years and years, I never had to tell the man of God how much I loved him. I just served. There were people that came and left. And I never said one word. I just kept serving. And when the Lord called me out to go do my thing, I did. But the bottom line is I just kept serving. Because I don't need to be on the stage when the lights are shining. And then when the lights get turned off, I can't be found. 
I was just making a whole lot of noise and I had no substance in it. I didn't have anything to do afterwards. Church, we can't be like that. God has called us on a mission. We're on a mission for Christ. And whether the lights are shining or we're in the dark, guess what? We still have to keep on the mission. We still have to do what the mission say we have to do. We got to keep going. Perhaps some want their talent to be noticed but are unwilling to humble themselves and serve on the hospitality team. Some love to preach in the church building but have no interest in a jail ministry or teaching in the nursing home or going door knocking in the community to pray and lead people to Jesus. These are similar to the people Micah was addressing. What the residents of Jerusalem were doing for the Lord was all external. It was all for show. God was and is more interested in the practical. Accomplishing what the Lord requires does not necessitate a certain level of education or even wealth. Instead, the Lord requires us to be obedient to Him in how we deal with others and in our attitude towards Him. Somebody say amen. amen. We're going to be going through the scriptures the next few weeks in talking about pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord. We got to know what God required. That man that took over that company and did everything, revamped it all, thought he was the man, getting ready to make a ton of money, and forgot about the customer, the dogs. He missed it. And as Christians, for lack of a better word, to bring understanding to you, I just want you to ask yourself, who is our customer? Because I read in my Bible, and the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who is the world? The world is everybody. Then I read again in Luke, he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't say specifically what kind of people, what group of people. Right. And so the bottom line is, we have to know who our customer is. We have to know who God called us to reach. And God called us to reach every lost person. God called us to reach every broken person. God called us to reach every hurt person. God called us to reach every ignorant person. God called us to reach every hateful person. God called us to reach every person, no matter what they are, who they are, no matter how they're living, no matter what their status are. God called us to reach every people because when he died on the cross, he didn't exclude some people. He died on the cross for every single person in the world. So our responsibility as we keep to the mission, as we carry out the mission, is to reach every person is to love everybody no matter what they have done no matter who they are because the bottom line is if we don't obey God if we don't seek to please him none of us will spend eternity with him I don't care who you are and here's my last thing I will say as a Christian the Bible says we must search our heart daily to see whether there be any evil in us we have to search our heart because God is relying on us Christians to reach the world and the way we're going to reach the world is with the love of God. And the only way you will have the love of God is if you have the Holy Ghost in you. That's how we're going to reach the world. But hear me now, we cannot reach the world if we have any issues in our life. You want me to give you an example of what that is? 
It's like trying to help somebody with corona when you got corona. You follow what I'm saying? And that I see that a lot. We're trying to help somebody get healed when we are not healed. We have to be healed to help somebody else get healed. So it's not a knock on anybody. It's just that we must make sure we search ourselves to make sure we're healed so we can help to heal others. Because that's what God is using us to do. Somebody say amen. Pleasing the Lord. We need to understand what we must do to please the Lord. And tonight we talk a little bit about being obedient. That's how we're going to please the Lord. We have to be obedient to his word no matter what. We'll talk some more about showing mercy. We'll talk some more about doing justly. We're going to talk about how we will please the Lord. Because you know what? Some people are not going to be pleased with me because I'm trying to please the Lord. I'm I'm going to sleep at night. If I know I'm pleasing the Lord, but some people are not, pleasing, are not pleased with me. I don't want it to be that way. Trust me. I, I, want, I want everybody to feel good about me. I want everybody to love me. I want everybody to feel like I'm on their side. I want everybody to feel like, man, he's got me. And I do. But sometimes I'm going to be pleasing God, and it's probably going to offend you. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about it. I'm just here to please the Lord because he's brought me a mighty long way and I'm guarding my heart to make sure that nothing gets in it that your pastor don't stand in front of you and preach, you know, you know the story for some of you that's been in church. I don't want to preach to people. I want to preach God's word. Now, where, however it land, let it land. But I want to go before God and let God speak to my heart and allow me to minister to you in love and kindness and passion and compassion. And that's how I want to speak to you. That's how I want to minister to you. I don't want all this clutter to come into my mind and into my heart. And when I stand before you, I can't preach God's word. All I'm thinking about is all the stuff that's in my heart that is not right. I don't want to do that to you. So ride with me. Trust me. Just worry about if you see me veering off the path of God. But when you hear me speak the word of God with passion or with compassion or with both, just understand where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of trying to please God. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to please God. That's what you need to try to do, to please God. Church, I love you. I love you with my whole heart. And I just want us to make it in. I want us to fulfill God's purpose I want us to just really be a Bible-believing, Bible-living people that when people look in the Bible and read what the Word says, they can look in our life and say, my goodness, just what the Bible says is what they're doing. That's, That's what this is all about. And so that's where we are today. That's what I encourage you to do is to please God. Don't worry about how it lands with people. Worry about how it lands with the Lord. And God's method of how He does things he, it's, there's no optional way. There's not an optional way. The way God does things is the way God does things. Let me slide this in since the Holy Ghost is telling me to slide this in. Remember what the Bible says, that if your brother have ought against you or you have ought against your brother. It didn't say to go on social media and expose it. It didn't say go on social media and share your heart. If your brother has an issue with you or you have an issue with your brother, the Bible says you that are spiritual need to go to your brother. If, if your brother is taken over by a fault, you need to go to him. If there's art in your heart, you need to go to him. All of this is in private, not on social media. 
So we don't address issues or concerns as Christians, that is, as Christians. I understand other folk address issues on social media. I'm not getting into that. I'm telling you as Christians, when I feel like there's something wrong, I have to go directly to my brother. I have to go directly to my sister. And if I'm watching and seeing my brother messing up or my sister messing up, the Bible says if they're taken over by a fault, I need to reach out to them and help them get restored. So we don't do anything on social media trying to address any issue that way when someone has wronged us. We have to do it personally as Christians. Somebody say amen. All right, church. I wish I could hang out with you all night long and we just continue to just get in the word of God and we can have back and forth discussions. But I love you. Think about the things that you heard here tonight. Pray about them. Um, we're going to continue to do the things we need to do. Don't forget this Saturday morning is our prayer breakfast. Make sure you get the Zoom um, um, uh, passcode and, and, and pass, passcode and login word. Make sure you get those two sign in um, so you can log in at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. We're going to be praying at our prayer breakfast. Join us. Let's pray together. And 6.30, we still pray at 6.30. So pray with, us at six, uh, pray with us at 6.30. And then Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., I've got a word for you. I, I, I feel like I've been preaching every day of the week this week and three and four times a day. That's how much I feel full with the word of God because I just feel like God is guiding me in a way that, <laughs> as I was telling you about Micah, trust me, I was preaching with passion because I felt like I was in that situation where I'm trying to speak God's word, but it's not coming across popular to everyone. But I will not stop preaching God's word. I will not stop speaking God's word. My uh, responsibility as a Christian is to obey God, is to please God. So is yours. And we got to do what God called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful to know that, Lord, we don't have to be bound. We don't have to remain bound. We're thankful to know that you are a deliverer, that you are a healer, that you are a restorer, that, Lord, you are the God that provides salvation, that, Lord, there is no human on this planet, Lord God, that has to remain in their situation that is not good for them. But every one of us have an opportunity to be raised up out of the drudgery. Every one of us have the opportunity to come out of our bondage, to, to be free from, oh God, hatred and, 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 and bigotry and, and, and all the things that are ungodly and, and prejudice. Lord, we, we can come out of it. We don't have to remain. And it's only when we call on you and say, God, I see it in me. Will you get it out of me? Will you save me? It's only when we will come out of it because Lord it's us wanting to come out where you will extend your hand to help us get out you're not a man that you should lie nor the son of man that you shall repent if you said it so shall it be it will come to pass God help us oh God speak to our hearts God I pray oh my God church God is doing something <laughs> God is doing something if you will let him he will do it if you will let him, he will do it. And I got to tell you, I've yielded 
Even when I don't feel comfortable in yielding to God about some things, I've yielded. But the more I yield, the more I experience His power, the more I experience, oh God, His Spirit moving, the more He speaks, the more He directs, the more He pushes, if we will just begin to just not worry about the populace, if we will not worry about being in agreement with man, but be in agreement with God, being obedient with God, please God, if we will please him, we will see, we will help our brothers and sisters more by pleasing God than being in agreement with the populace. Oh, God, have your way, have your way. Lord, strengthen your people. Strengthen your church because, Lord, you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. You've called us, Almighty God, because you have chosen us before the foundation. And so, Lord, you've called us now, Lord God, as you have chosen us in you. Uh, position us uh, and equip us, Lord God, to go forth and do the work of the ministry and minister to the hearts uh, of mankind, the broken, the hurting, uh, those that have been rejected, those that have been mis- treated, those who are downtrodden, those who are forgotten, Lord, use us to touch their lives, use us to love them and speak to them and be a blessing to them, use us, almighty God, as the church of the living God, here I am, Lord, use me, will somebody just tell the Lord that, here I am, Lord, use me, will somebody say to the Lord, here I am, Lord, I commend myself into thine hand, will you use me, will somebody sincerely tell the Lord, I am here to be used of you, Lord, I surrender to you, Lord, do what you want in my life, oh God, for I made up in my mind that I will give all to you, oh, I surrender all, I surrender all, all is what you ask of me. How can I refuse? I surrender all to you, Lord God. Will somebody declare unto the Lord tonight that you surrender all to him? That he can use you the way he desires, the way he pleases. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I bless your name. Oh, great is thy faithfulness. Lord, strengthen Christ-centered church. Strengthen your church across this nation, around this world. Lord, use us as you will. Bless and keep us, Lord. Let your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. And we will always give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Church, thank you for being together with us to be together again as we surrender to do the Lord's will. Remember, as you go about the rest of this week, that we ought to look to see how we can please God. See what God requires and please God. I love you. God bless you. Have a great evening. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.